Welcome back to Soulback. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here back with Ed from SoulInStereo.com. We're going to put that in there right now because <laughs> we have a lot to talk about. And I want all the hate to go to SoulInStereo.com and maybe some love as well. But Ed from SoulInStereo.com, what's going on? Today, my name is Ed from SoulInStereo.com. One word. Mr. Ed from SoulInStereo.com. Heavy on the Mr. for real because this is going to be an episode, player. What can I say? I've been dreading this episode for two weeks because we took a week off last week to prepare we ourselves did. for this one. There was a lot of big releases for R&B this week, so we'll have to get into all of that. But before we get started, Ed, I saw a really interesting one gotta go. So okay. I gotta ask you this one gotta go. One all of these right. has to go. Um, there were actually four, but I think one should stay by default. So I'm gonna give you these other three. Okay. One has to go here, Ed. Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe, Return of the Mac by your boy. And yep. this is how we do it by Montel. I, I mean, this is an easy one for me. And I know this is the first time that I will say on this podcast to send your hate tweets to E.T. Bowser at Soul and Stereo. Because you know I am not a big BBD hold, fan. Hold on, Ed. Before you even answer that, and before you even utter that blasphemous, because I know where this is going, can we talk about the impact of all three songs and how just legendary, historical, big, monumental these records are? You have Poison, which is arguably, Ed, the biggest and most popular New Jack Swing record of all time. True or false? Well, before you jumped in, I was going to give props where they're due. You're correct. One of, it's probably the biggest and most influential New Jack Swing record of all time. I know our boy DJ Soulchild and some others may debate, but I do think that when we're talking about a mainstream level, enduring these all these years, it's got to be Poison. No question, one of the biggest of all time. When you talk about this is how we do it, a song so big that people tend to underrate an entire man's career. If I hear y'all say yep. one more time that Montel Jordan is a one-hit wonder, go and look at the accolades. He's got way more hits than that one. But it was just so monumental that that was the one that just kind of eclipses it. And then you got Return of the Mac, which is kind of like a one-off song to itself. But when it's a one-off song that big and monumental in its own right, to the point where you've got presidential candidates coming out to the stage to it. That's mm-hmm. a pretty big deal. But of the three, as I was saying earlier, and you can see your hate tweets to my Twitter, they will be promptly ignored. I was never a big BBD fan personally. Wow. And while I admit that it is a very good song that will get the party hype, I have had parties in this very house to that song. Is by far my least favorite of the three. That one got to wow. go like that. Mark Morrison survives another one. Actually, Return of the Mac, that's like the greatest entrance song of all time. You yes. can go on, you can't play that, on that, and just feel like a king. So, right. can't hate on Mark. <laughs> you cannot so, hate on it. It's not the best song, if we're technically speaking, but good Lord, that is a song. Well, let me ask you, what's another song from the 90s that you would group into that category? Because those three are huge what would be number four? Oh gosh man i think <laughs> in recent years you could probably put pony up there but that's not like a huge party 
anthem yeah, it's, like the other ones. I think ones. Pony gets the love for the recognition, and it's on that level. But as far yeah. as just like this party starting track, I don't know if I would put that up there. I'm sure we're getting something. And I'm sure mm. in our comment section, y'all is going to load us up with a bunch. But those three, they're like the pinnacle. It's hard to beat. Yeah, those three right there. I'm just trying to think here. I can't really think of one. I mean, if we go into the hip-hop realm, California Love is probably up there. Of course. Um, That's another song I'm not in love with, but I'll save the Tupac slander for another day. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Well, Ed, we have a lot to talk about in R&B this week. A lot of we releases, do. like I said. Brandy came out. Jagged Edge came out. Tony Braxton has a couple of records out, one with Kem. Um, don't really know where to start with this one. Well, actually, I do because everyone's talking about it on social media. And what mm-hmm. I've done to prepare for this, Ed, is um, over the course of the past week, I've set up polls on our Twitter to say, what did you think of this album for Brandy's album as well as, ja- as, well as Jagged Edges? They had a couple of options. You could call mm-hmm. it a classic. You could say it was good. You could, say it, you could say it was okay or you could say it was bad. I'll pull up the numbers in a sec just so we can analyze that and see what the people say. But mm-hmm. you did a review on Brandy's comeback album, B7. It's about It's been about eight years since 211, which I was not the biggest fan of. Um, but there are some good songs there. No doubt. B7, her first independent project, executive produced by our boy DJ Camper. So Camper, we love you. No slander. Especially from me, known you for a long time. <laughs> Brandy, I've done you. Brandy, I've done a lot of interviews with you as well, so no slander. And you guys know I am the biggest Brandy fan on this podcast. Oh my uh, god! Look at this. So I'm gonna wait to see what you say first, because I have my own thoughts. You did a review on it. Your thoughts before we even get into the into the review, though, Ed, because we didn't do a podcast last week. We didn't right. do an episode. So all we had for reference, and I want to bring this up because I want to know what your 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 thoughts were prior to the album coming out and just your level of excitement. So we had heard okay. Love Again with Daniel Caesar. We had heard Baby Mama with Chance the Rapper. And the most recent one was Rather Be that came out before the album. So take those three albums into context and just talk about your excitement leading up to the album and then the album itself. Just give it give it to me, Ed. I'll give it to you, whether you want it or not, I'm going to give it to you. So, leading <laughs> up to this, we had three big singles. We had Baby Mama, we had the Love Again joint, and we had Rather Be. Of the three, I think all of us would admit that Baby Mama was the weakest. I didn't hate it as much as some people on these corners of the internet did. Mm-hmm. I didn't hate it that much, but it didn't work for me. It didn't feel like a branded track. It just, something didn't gel. I had chance on it, and that just felt kind of tacked on. The chemistry wasn't there. I just, I, it was a track that really had good intentions, just wasn't carried off very well. Love Again, I did like, and Rather Be, I loved. So we had three different songs that really characterized three different parts of my excitement for this album. So really, I was in the middle, because I knew that it had at least one good song, I knew it had at least one pretty decent song, and then it had one not-so-good song. So overall, you're hoping that it's more good than bad, but we already saw that kind of it was a little uneven as far as the rollout. And yep. as far as the album itself, 
I think that spoke to it. I think that the album was uneven. Now listen, players. And again, as my boy said, these are the opinions of soulandstereo.com. Leave Kyle alone. He loves it. Whatever. But you know me. I am here not to pacify fans. I'm here to give an objective review, an objective perspective of this album. And when it comes to the album, going into it, I was a little, eh. But you always have to give something a fresh look, and you can't go into it with preconceived notions. So even though I knew that there were a couple songs I liked and didn't like, I had to look at it at one body of work. And I just wasn't feeling it. I hear people saying, I heard the comments. I looked at the comments on my review and the reactions on social media. And I told you, Kyle, I was like, play, I'm not even looking forward to posting this. Because mm-hmm. when it comes to Brandy, she could belch out the phone book and people are going to call it a classic. So regardless, she is going to have a fan base that's going to eat up whatever she does. But I'm here to be real. And I just did not think this was the type of album for her. And I've heard people say, this isn't supposed to be a radio album. Or she was trying something new. Mm-hmm. Or y'all just want to hear Full Moon. That's not the fact at all. Here's what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear vocals, to hear, actually hear vocals. I wanted to be able to understand the lyrics. And I wanted to have a project that wasn't like every other vibey album out there. Of those three categories I just mentioned, the album didn't succeed. Is it a bad project? Absolutely not. Because we talked about Rather Be. I thought No Tomorrow was great. I actually thought the second half of the album was actually pretty decent. The last song, the Bipolar or something like that. Yep. That song, I love the writing on that song. That's the type of writing that I wish was earlier in the album where it was just like word soup. I don't know what she was talking about. And between that and the drowned it out mixing, and it's just like those first three or four songs... Like, what is you saying? Like, boo, what you talking about? This is Brandy who just has crystal clear vocals and just a powerful mm-hmm. delivery. It's not the type of... A lot of artists will use the vibes to kind of excuse kind of lackadaisical, weaker vocals. Brandy doesn't need to do that. This just came out as a project that was like, I'm going to do what everybody else is doing. And it didn't work because she could have come out with something a little stronger. Now, like I said, there are good things here. I thought No Tomorrow is one of those tracks that was able to be vibey and capture that kind of dreary, laid back sound and add Brandy to it. And if there was more of that, I would have enjoyed more of the album. More of that, less of the mumbly, sleepy... Ugh, I can't get with somebody was telling me on social media. This is an album. You got to listen to this album while you're cleaning the house. Well, play if you got to put <laughs> ramifications and qualifications on how I listen to the album, then that's not going to work. If I have to put on an album and have it as background music and not pay attention to the vocals, that's not what a Brandy album is. You can do that for Janae Aiko and all these other people where you don't really want to hear what they say and just roll up some weed to it. But that's not what we get here. I appreciate doing something different. As an overall project, it was quite uneven. Just like those three singles we talked about earlier, where it was like good, bad, indifferent. That's how I felt about an overall project. Some good, some bad, some indifferent, and that gets you a kind of mediocre review. Mm. Well said there, Ed. 
Uh, before I get into my my analysis here, I'm just looking at the Twitter polls here. Thirty percent of yeah, the people they called. They said thirty percent of the people said it was a classic. Uh huh. Thirty percent said it was a classic. The Two majority... minutes after it came out, huh? <laughs> uh, I think the majority of the people said it was good. Uh, you had a handful of people that said it was okay, and not a lot of people said it was bad. Which I'm on that, but I don't think it was a bad album. Oh, I don't, neither I think, do I. I think I think we can both agree on that. But let me talk to the people here, my people, Ed. Talk which, to your for, people because they need some talking to. For some reason, you have dubbed the Brandy fans as the Brandy Norwegians. I don't yes, know how what are you y'all? came up. We are the stars because we make Brandy shine. Oh my God! For real. That, that that's what it is. We're the stars. I need some creativity in this. The stars, like there's something. I was going Brandy Norwood Norwegian something. That's closer than stars. Ed, we are the stars. Okay. So it's been eight al- eight years since two eleven. Now, Ed, you know me. You know I am. The biggest Brandy fan, definitely on this podcast. You are the biggest I, Brandy fan I know personally. Yes, I don't. I don't know fan. where. I don't know where Tom falls into this, but I am a huge Brandy fan, and I am a huge R and B fan. Now, on Obviously. the scale of R and B and and Brandy, R and B probably weighs a little more than than Brandy. So as it should, as it should. Um, and I've been rocking with Brandy since. I mean, I could say the first album, but I was like five years old at the time. And if anyone claims that they were able to develop a fandom and, and actually critically and now, like listen to music at that age, you're lying. So I would say my starting <laughs> point for Brandy was Never Say Never, The Boy's Mind, Have You Ever. I remember all of that. Right. So when I listened to this album from a standpoint of being a Brandy fan, I understand it. It has all the makings of something that a Brandy fan would love. The rich harmonies, the stacking, um, the personal lyrics. Because if you've followed Brandy over the last couple of years, she's been through a couple of things. And I yes. think in a sense, she's, she was able to actually talk about it on this album. So from that perspective, I would say it's probably one of her most personal albums. Agree. And I think you actually get a reflection on you know, what she's been going through and where she's at in her life right now. So I will give her that. And there are some good songs. No Tomorrow is a great song. I would say Borderline. I don't know how you feel about that one, but I that's actually one of my favorite Brandy songs on that album. And in recent memory, one of my favorites, Rather Be, is a great one. And there's mm-hmm. a couple more in there that I thought were okay. And what I also did like was that she had one main producer for the whole album. So even if we didn't love every single song on there, it at least felt like a project. It didn't feel like a bunch of songs were just thrown in there like two eleven did. So I, I will get yep, that's true. So so those are the things that I enjoyed about the album. So when I listened to this album the first time, I listened to it as a brandy fan, which I'm sure a lot of people that clicked play did. I know there's a couple people on the cipher who were standing for the album when it first came out. You know it Who's our boy Vocal? I don't know what his yeah. real name is, but Vocal is. Yeah, shout out to shout out to the homie Vocals. He is a big Brandy stand himself, and he was yep, living so, and dying. He was dying on that hill. So I was with him. I listened to that. I was like, "Wow, these harmonies sound amazing." 
I played it a second time and my interest for the album started to fall off a little bit because I was like, it sounds good, but I can't remember a single thing that she's saying, nor do I remember any of the melodies. I listened to it for the third time and it a lot of the songs didn't connect with me for that reason. Um, there's two songs on there that for some reason people on Twitter are going nuts over. One is... Uh, Lucid Dreams. The other one is Unconditional Oceans. I think it's called. Those two. Those those two songs are too cool for school for me. Like I don't, I just don't understand that type of music. So I'm gonna give her a pass on that. That might be for someone else. But some of those other records where she's like rapping and I don't know, man. I just feel like the intention was there for her to make a great record. But I think one of the foundations of why. We all fell in love with Brandy. It was not just the voice, but it was the melodies. It was being able to connect with her and her music. I felt like that was lacking a little bit on this album. And I would say that... I wouldn't say it was a bad album. Nor will I really say I'm disappointed because I think the intention was there. But I just don't think it was an album for me. And one thing I've also seen on Twitter, people are saying that This is an album that you're not supposed to, you know, a a general fan is not supposed to fall in love with this album. This one was specifically for the Brandy fans. And I get that, but I mean, we're in the we're in the business of of selling records and attracting fans and and music listeners. And I don't know. I felt like that was kind of a cop out answer. Oh, yes. Because I'll put it like this. Mary J. Blige, my life album, very personal record spoke a lot of her truth but it's still connected with the general public because you could understand what she was saying that's all i'm saying uh, i love it i love it when we are in the same page because i was going to bring up that exact point because i want to go back and talk about some of these things that people have hit me with over the past couple of days told, your review is wrong because you aren't a real fan and you don't understand it first mm. point that you brought up was the only fans would understand that you aren't a woman, you aren't coming from her perspective. To the very point you made, go back and look and listen to Mary J's My Life. That is an album coming from the aspect and the perspective of a woman. If that's too old school for y'all, go listen to Beyonce's Lemonade. That's an album that speaks directly to the experience of a black woman. It's only a couple years old, so you can't be like, oh, you're always in the 90s. That's a recent album as well. I'm not a a woman, but as a man, I still understand her story. I understand what she's saying. And while it doesn't relate to me on every single level, I definitely understand her experience because it's it's displayed in a way that you can understand it because the the artistry is so strong there. This album ain't it when it comes to that player. Because, yes, she is saying some very important, insightful things, especially on that back half. But then some of the issues about motherhood, like I said, that song doesn't really connect. The High Heels song is just kind of weird. Lucid Dreams, you got to be having some kind of lucid dream to hear what she's talking about. That The song that I said sounded like a brand of hand sanitizer. What's the unconditional something? Yeah. Like it's like I can't. Not only am I not the lyrics not connecting, I can't physically. I literally cannot hear what you're saying because of the way the song is mixed. That's not a problem with the creativity. 
that's a problem with the construction of the album. And that mm. is one of the bigger issues I have with the album. The content is fine. I'm not dissing her for the content. Other than Baby Mama, which I thought was a little off, all the other contextually and conceptually, this album is good. It is the actual construction of the album that's the problem. And it's the reason why everybody's going to be hyping it up right now. But I guarantee you by October, nobody's going to be rocking with anything but two or three songs because the overall construction is not sound. Number two that I want to talk about, because the Brandy stands are like, oh, you're not a real fan. Look, player, I'm going to go back to the I don't know if you we didn't have a podcast last week, but last week the big debate was over Usher and my cousin Chris Brown, who should do a versus and blah, 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 and who would be Mm. whom. And then, of course, cousin Chris backed out because he was like, oh, I have nothing to prove. You knew you were catching that L, brother. That's what that was. Just <laughs> go on and admit it. But when I was saying that that versus was uneven, because you got a Usher's catalog is too beat, too deep, and too strong for Cousin Chris's. It doesn't matter how much music he has. The actual content is not strong as his. It's a very uneven battle. People kept telling me, you don't understand. You're not a real fan. You can't speak from this. Listen. I am old enough that I have experienced Usher's debut album all the way to now. I have experienced Chris Brown's debut album all the way to now. I remember the first time I heard both of their debut singles. I remember where I was Mm. sitting when I saw Run It for the first time on BET. So I was like, who is this guy? This song's kind of hype. I remember it. So if anybody is qualified to talk about them not somebody who started listening to chris brown in 2015 and has only heard the last three albums and never heard an usher record i think you are the one that's not qualified to talk about both i would be qualified to talk about both because i understand the trajectory of the career going back to brandy for the stands who were like oh you're not a real fan you don't understand again I remember when Brandy had that little mushroom haircut on Thea. This was before Moesha. I'm talking Thea. I know Brandy. I remember when her album debuted. I remember how before y'all was sick of Beyonce, there was a Brandy backlash. There were people tired of Brandy because she was in the mainstream so much. I have followed her whole career. So unquestionably, I am qualified to talk about it because I own every single one of her albums, except this new one. Probably ain't going to cop that one. But from the perspective of watching her from the beginning all the way to now, I understand the growth. I understand the story. I want her to tell the story. But this story cannot be told if it's poorly constructed. That's the problem with B7. Yeah. um, One of the songs, I think it was the first one, Saving All My Love, there was a line where she says something like, sorry, I, I was being tardy. To this day, Ed, I've read the lyrics, but to my ear, it still says, sorry, I'm being retarded. <laughs> I know it's not supposed to, and I've read the lyrics a thousand times, but I think it's just the way that the song was mixed. It just it didn't work for me. Again, it's and someone got mad because I dissed the mixing. That song, the album is not well mixed. And this is another issue that's kind of prevalent with a lot of music today. If you're an artist that just came out or you're a summer walker and your stuff sounds muddy, it's whatever. But for a brandy, I don't expect that from you. I don't. And that's something mm-hmm. that when I'm doing my scores, 
I'm going to knock a half a star off because that takes away from the listening experience. I'm looking at that as just not only from just an artistic perspective, but from a fundamental perspective. If I can't hear you, I can't say the album's dope. Yeah, but I'll say this, Ed, uh, for a lot of Brandy fans out there, if you like the album, if you genuinely connect with yeah. the album and you love it, then good for you. And, uh, I mean, I can't tell you what's good or what's not. You got to form your own opinion on that, and I hope that it's not biased. But uh, I think just I can speak for myself as well as Ed from SoulInStereo.com uh, <laughs> that uh, that album was not for us. But we love Brandy. Rather Be Kissing You will probably end up as one of the top records of the year on our countdown. I think I can say that for both of us. Uh, probably, but I also think No Tomorrow might make a placement as well. Again, like you're talking to not, you may be a Brandy, I'm not a Brandy stan, but I'm definitely a Brandy fan. I know you kind of lean more toward the stand-up, but you're talking to two fans who at the end of the day just was not really feeling this project as much as we had hoped. If you like it, and you think it's great, wonderful. You do your own album of the year list and put it at number one with the bullet. That's great. It's for me and my house. Probably ain't going to be on my list. Yeah, I saw some people. Ed, you'll love this one. This might be a play it, please. Some people were doing their rankings already. And I was guilty of it, too. I was doing my rankings. But uh, people started ranking this above Aphrodisiac. They said Brandy's outdone herself and she's eclipsed full moon. So Ed, She's eclipsed the- full moon. Eclipse. So first of all, I need y'all to learn what words mean, because that ain't nowhere near no eclipsing full moon. This don't eclipse two eleven, if you ask me. I thought two eleven was okay. Y'all hated on that. I thought mm. that had at least several songs. That, eh, again, if you like it, cool. But it's not bad. But it sure ain't gonna make the Soul and Serio top fifty this year. Hmm. All right then. Well, shout outs to Brandy. Welcome back, and uh, keep making music. That's what I say. Brandy was gone for eight years. If this is not the album that we wanted, I just hope Brandy continues to make music and we don't have to wait another eight years because she's, she's gifted, talented, mm-hmm. and, and one of the best that we have. So, No question. We got to move on here, Ed, to an album that we have all been waiting for for the past oh my year. Gosh. I have never seen an album push back more than this than maybe Detox, but at least this... <laughs> At least this came out, uh, Jagged Edge, a jagged love story, which Wingle told us on the Soulback podcast last June, I want to say. It that was they about were, that time. They were working on a double album, and we're finally here. We're at the finishing point. Had a couple of false starts. Initially, the album was supposed to come out in mid-June. Had to get pushed back, and then it was announced that it would come out last week. Brian from Jagged Edge said, I think it'll come out on Tuesday. Tuesday <laughs> Tuesday came along. Instagram was waiting. You look at the comments. It's Wednesday, and they're all saying, where is the album? Thursday comes along. Jagged Edge makes a new post and says, hey, we're looking for ladies to cast in our new music video. And you see more comments that say, okay, but what about the album? Where is it? <laughs> So to Friday, the album actually drops. I think the first platform it drops on is Deezer. You know what Deezer is, Ed? I had no idea what Deezer was. And shout out to my my R&B progeny, my soul and stereo son, Damon Dunn, who is in the UK. So therefore, he is ahead of us in the time zone. And he came to Cypher and told us, 
New Dragon Age album came out. And we were like, what? How did this album just come out? <laughs> they didn't even say it was out. Last time they were like, we we think it's going to come out Tuesday. We don't know. How did you don't know when your own album was coming out is another question. But hmm. it just appeared. And listening to it, I can understand why it just appeared. But continue before I get there. Well, at 31, al- 31 songs on this album, <sighs> 10th studio album from Jagged Edge. The album before this was The Layover, which I think we can all say we did not like. We were not a fan of The Layover. So they went back to work, spent a couple of years making this new one, maybe a year. Spent another year trying to upload it to Spotify. (laughs) (laughs) Managed to make it happen. And Brandon Bryan... Wingo Kyle dropped her 10th studio album, A Jagged Love Story. 31 songs. Production from B. Cox on one song. Jermaine Dupree from another song. And then the Casey Brothers, for the most part, handled the other songs here. Pretty much. Uh, on the Twitter poll that I ran, uh, I think it was only 10% classic. First of <laughs> go, go go ahead. I'm mad at it 10%. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Uh, the, I, I would say that the majority kind of fell between good and okay. And uh, the the bad votes were pretty high as well. I, yeah, I don't, don't want to say. It was, it was in the 20s, I think, 20 to 30%. It was pretty high. Um, a lot of auto-tune on this record. That was my first observation when I, when I listened to this. And I'll also say this before you get into your thing. There are there are good songs on here. Oh, there are yeah, a handful no of great songs. But no 31 question. songs from anyone. I'm, I mean, you've experienced a couple of Chris Brown albums, so you know what I'm talking about. I know Over, exactly what you're talking about. 30 songs from any artist, any group, is a lot of music. And Jagged Edge has had the criticism of making the same song over and over so for them to come in here and do a 31 song project that is incredibly ambitious so with all of that being said here ed is this better than the layover like i said is the the million dollar question and i honestly can't answer that is it better than the layover i don't Here's my it, frustration with this album player. It will I will say this. It is not incredibly better than the layover. Like there's no this is not markedly better. It is not a gigantic improvement because it has so many issues of its own. I can't it's hard for me to rate the two. They're both at the bottom of the freaking barrel swimming down there with the guppies. So I can't even say that one is so much superior to the other because both are extremely frustrating. Here is why I weep for the music industry because of this one album. Mm. This one album made me so sad. And I will tell you why. I have not given an album a five-star review since 2012. Mm. We're almost getting on a freaking decade since I gave something five stars. And even the four and a half stars are getting few and far between. There have been a couple hip-hop joints. But even R&B four and a half stars is getting kind of thin. <sighs> the 
The reason why I don't think that we're going to see a five-star album anytime soon is because I think the art of creating an album is getting lost. And as I listened to this album for the entirety of my Friday, because I could not sit and listen to it for two hours. I had to keep going back and forth. Here is why I felt like that. There was a time, I've heard Beyonce and many other people in interviews, where they say, okay, I'll go in the studio, I'll record 30 or 40 tracks. Then I will take those 30 or 40 tracks, I will pick out the 15 or so best. Once I have that, that's the album. If Jagged Edge recorded 31 songs, picked out 10 or 11 of the best tracks here, this would have definitely been better than Leo. This might have been better than some of even their other lower albums because there was some good stuff in here. Mm-hmm. But to endure 31 tracks for two hours and longer than that if you can't listen to it in one sitting is an impossible task. So what we have are artists that are just, at the end of the day, I love J.E. I'm a bigger J.E. We talked about Brandy Standham early. I'm a bigger J.E. stand than mm. I am a Brandy stand. So I love them, and I know they're going to tear me up at E.T. Bowser on Twitter or wherever you find me on Instagram. Lee Kyle alone, holler at me because I know the, you know the Casey brothers will get at you. The twins are no joke. But I'm going to say what I say because you got me here to be honest. There is so much talent, and it is someone who has a group that has really carved out a legacy in R&B. We, we talked about it before. We don't think, I don't think there's ever been a group that has been as long as their run and has yep. not broken up. Yep. But what this feels like is 31 rough drafts. These are 31 songs that you have recorded and hurry up and got together and you just threw everything out on social media, on streaming, on Spotify, on Tidal or Deezer or whatever Dame is listening to. And you got them all out there and this is like, here, stream them to death and jack up <laughs> our numbers. As a streaming service project, I guess this works. As an album, this is an utter failure because it is not cohesive. It is not one sound, unless you like the auto-tune sound and it's one squeaky robot sound. It is not indicative of what J.E. is. And there is so much filler. There is just so much stuff that could have been left on the cutting room floor. Give me 10 out of this, and I would have been raving about this. And I would have been like, Jagged Edge put out a way better album than Brandy this week, y'all. J.E. Mm. beat her. But what we have is like probably one of the worst projects that I have heard this year. Be mad, because I'm mad. Wow. Because I'm a big J.E. fan. I'm very mad. But this is not my Jagged Edge. They did too much with this. I'm sure they'll be happy and at the bank because they'll have all these streaming numbers for all of us dummies that sat through and listened to it three or four times and us fans who want to go back and give it another chance and give it another chance so they get a new stream, ping, 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 ping. But as an overall body of work, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, I'll give Jagged Edge props for this. They put the song title math on the album i've never heard an r&b song called math before but so then it was such an props. old school reference it was like let me get that math girl i didn't know we still said that like i think we may i think my parents may have said that like i didn't think we still said <laughs> math for phone numbers i love it um 
What did you think about the auto-tune that was going on on this album? They really started using it on the Layover album, continues on this one. I know Brandon and Brian have, you know, defended the use of auto-tune. Oh, yes, they have. Was it that noticeable to you on this album? Because Yes. Well, I'll say this, Ed. Yes, if you listen to one song, but if you listen to all 31 songs... That auto-tune, you don't notice it after, like, track 15 because you just get used to it, which is what I fear about the music industry, but that's how I took it. Like, at about track 15, I'm like, what auto-tune? They sound great. But it's the same thing with the Brandy album. It's like you're listening to it, and it's like, at first, you know, I can't understand what she's saying, but then, you know, I'm just listening to it, and you just kind of vibe with it. When you say stuff like that, that means you're tuning it out. That's not Mm. a good thing. (laughs) So, yes, you you get used to the auto-tune, but then you get used to it because it just blends in with the background i will say though i don't think that all auto-tune is bad what's the song i think it's like decided that's one of the songs i like yeah and that had auto-tune and that didn't really bother me that much when it's used as as i've said before garnish it's used as just a slight inflection that's cool when you auto-tune it through a whole song and you sounding like a go-bot that's a problem because it's distracting Mm -hmm. Especially when you don't need it, and the twins yeah. don't need it. Like none, they don't need that. So if you want to experiment a little bit, have one song like decided, and you got to throw it in there and do, I would have been totally fine with that because I, I I like that song. I like the um, not seasons change. That's the old song, Seasons of Us. I think it's called. Yeah, like I like that song. There were some decent songs here that we were talking about the best songs of the year. I might try to slide a couple of those on the countdown. Tom will whine, but who cares? I might slide <laughs> those up there because I thought they were really good songs. There's some really good songs here. But if you are asking somebody to pick out, cherry pick six or seven good songs out of a 30 song project, who has the time? Give me your best. Don't give me everything. I don't want the rest, just the best. <laughs> I like it. Um, Brandon said this in an interview when asked why they use autotune. They said, because we can do whatever we want. It was a little more explicit than that. And I'm one sure of the, it was. One of the fans commented on their Instagram page and said, I love you guys, but the auto-tune has really ruined the experience for me, in which the official Jagged Edge Instagram page said, I'm sorry you feel that way. Maybe you need to catch up to where we're at with our creative flow. And That's what they said. Player. Player. Then I don't like that because this is someone who was apparently a fan why are you going to yep. come to a fan like that? That's to me that's disrespectful. If you if a fan doesn't like it, then a fan doesn't like it. I there mm-hmm. Keith, Keith Sweat has put out songs I don't like. I'm not going to be like any mini mine and mo is a great song because Keith Sweat did it. No, that song was trash. I love Keith <laughs> more than life, but I can admit and I know my perspective is different because I'm a reviewer and as we talk especially with the Brandies, with the stars, whatever y'all are. You're going to look at it from a fan perspective. You're going to love everything. That's cool. But as a reviewer, I can't look at stuff like that. I have to be objective. I have to be like, this sounds crappy. This needs to be stronger here. This needs to be better written. That's what a reviewer does. A reviewer doesn't stand on stuff. So I have to be honest. I have to be honest about Brandon. I got to be honest about Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo, And I got to be honest about J.E. This project did not work. Hmm. Well... I got to ask you this, Ed. So when we go back to that Brandy album, I think, you know, like I said, a Brandy fan will probably love that album. 
and they'll find a way to listen to it and learn to appreciate it some way or somehow. How, how do you think, you know, how, I'm wondering how Jagged Edge expects their listeners to listen to 30 songs. Do they expect them to listen to all 30? Or is it sort of like that Chris Brown thing where they don't care and they just say, hit play, put it on mute, and just go do something else? Like, I'm sure they have to, in their mind when they listen to this album, think, hmm, how are my listeners going to listen to all 30 of these? You know, I would think so. But for some reason, I don't know that they... And again, I say this as a fan of Jay, but I'm saying this as to the response that they've gotten from fans. I don't know if they care. Like, from the responses, it seems like they don't care. I would think that, again, just me, just my perspective, that they are pulling a Chris Brown. They're like, here's a bunch of content. We're going to throw it on stream and we're going to overload it. And then we're going to have fans to just go through and just cherry pick their favorites. And then they can go back and revisit it. And then that's how they get it up. So you give the fans a buffet. And if the only thing they want is the fried chicken, at least they're coming back for the fried chicken. I think that's what the mentality is. But again, that's not how that's not an album. That's a playlist. You're just giving people content for playlists. That's what you like. Cool. But I'm not sure that again, me giving them the benefit of doubt. I think that's what they're trying to do. But they've just been so salty to fans. I don't know what they're thinking. Hmm. So shout out to Jagged Edge. 10th studio album a jagged love story is out now go check it out i mean this is just our opinion on it so i mean go check it out ed i've got a couple of new records for you here um i don't know how much Mm -hmm. time we have left i think we're at 40 minutes already uh kem dropped a new record with tony braxton out out your love and or live out your love and kem does it again ed kem does it again i have not heard this one so i can't speak on it but if it's Kim, Kim's going to do Kim each and every time. I guarantee you it probably sounds like a Kim record. What about the Tony Braxton record, Dance? It was more of like a poppy record. Antonio Dixon, who produced the record, said it was roller skating music. Do you get roller skating vibes from this, Ed? I certainly do. I like this one okay. It doesn't really feel like a single to me. It feels like, like a, a upbeat album cut that comes on and you don't necessarily skip it. But you're like, oh, this is all right. I thought it was pretty solid. And then um, Chrisette Michelle, wait. She came back with a new single here. And Ed, I got to ask you, do you remember Chrisette Michelle's debut album? Because that, to a lot of people, was like one of those like cult classics. It was like more of like a oh, jazzy of type of feel to it. Do you remember that one? Yep, definitely do. I thought it was pretty solid. I do think that she kind of – that. Wouldn't it better come out? 2013, I think that was her best work. I think that kind of eclipsed it. Yeah. But it was a good debut, no yeah. question. Absolutely. 112 just dropped a new record, Spend It All. And uh, before we get, even get into the new music here, uh, Mike from 112, I'm not sure if you know, but he has the coronavirus. So we want to send our best wishes to Mike. That's our guy. We hope he feels better and that he's able to make a quick and healthy recovery. Yeah, shout out my man, Mike. I did not hear about that until just now. So, man, this Rona is no joke. Y'all wear your mask and act right. But, yeah, shout yeah. out to Mike. And Spend It All is a fun song. I heard that one. thought it was yeah. all right. Yeah, I mean, it's a little different than what we're used to from 112, but Mike told us and Slim told us it was going to be a different sound. So, from that perspective, I've, I hope that listeners judge them based on 
what they're putting out as opposed to comparing it to what they've put out. It's two members now, so you know, you're missing the ingredients and the qualities of two other members, so it's not going to sound like Cupid 1996. Of course, and we've talked about this a million times. We talked about this a little bit with Brandy. It's not so much about, oh, you want them to sound like 1990s. Like, that's not the case. I just want them to sound good. I don't know them to sound the same at all. And I thought this song was a, it was definitely a new sound, but it was a step in the right direction. I thought it was cool. Yep. Uh, Casey Haley, Casey and JoJo, Joe C. Casey, one of the greatest vocalists of our time. Indeed. Probably one of the most influential of all time, too. Um, he dropped a new record here, Jesus Saves. I think he's going more in a gospel direction for this album. If it were up to you, would you want Casey to do a straight R&B album or a gospel album? Because he's had success in both. He has that voice that works very well in gospel. And I know you aren't supposed to split the difference. I would like to hear a Casey solo R&B project with some gospel flavor, especially like, you know, maybe a couple songs here and there or maybe some songs that kind of define his journey in the R&B. That's what I would personally like, but I can understand if it's like we got to have a gospel and we got to have a secular. We can't have it together. So I understand that mentality. Personally, that's what I would want, though. Do you want him to sing about freaking you still, or are we a little more grown than that now? A little player. That man is too <laughs> old to be freaking you. He needs to put some Ben Gay on them joints and sit down. It's cool. Talk mm. about Jesus. You ain't got to be talking about freaking it. I mean, he did ride his bodyguard not too long ago, so I think he still has a little bit of pep in his step. What? If he's riding humans to get around like pachyderms, I think that proves that the joints are hurting. Sit down. You, you freaked it enough in 95. It's cool to sit down. <laughs> That's a great song, by the way. Shoutouts to Jodeci, freaking of you. I, I'm just going to make that the sole backtrack of the day here, Ed. Can we talk about that one, but can we also talk about the remix with, with Wu-Tang? Do you remember the remix? Of course I remember the remix with Wu-Tang. Back when Wu was on top of the world, I also remember that girl in the video with the swirly dress. If you were mm. around in 95, you know what I'm talking about. You wow. didn't get her either. <laughs> It was really interesting because I uh, I recently watched an interview that Dalvin did with another outlet, and he said that that remix was really necessary because that's when hip hop really started taking over, mm-hmm. and Jodeci and the rest of the R and B groups at that time started getting phased out a little bit. So that remix, which is you know very hip hop dominant um, with the sampling, that really helped elevate that record. Would you agree? Very, very much so, because we see it, it's totally different now. And sometimes when I talk to our younger listeners and younger members of the Soul and Stereo Cypher on Facebook, go check that out if you haven't been there lately. But they don't really get it because they've lived in a world where hip hop has always been like the number one. But looking back, there was a time where hip hop was not and it was starting to creep in. And R&B pretty much knew, hey, if we're going to stay relevant, we got to attach ourselves to these rap dudes. And there's always been synergy mm-hmm. between hip-hop and R&B, as you've known. So it wasn't a stretch. And it was always cool to see those collaborations. Yeah, and Jodeci, as much as I love them, they've never been known for their up-temples. No. But but this, out, this, this track, I mean, it doesn't really feel like a classic Jodeci record, but it just fit. You know, it had that hip-hop element to it. So I love that one. Very much so. That's one of my favorites. And anytime you can throw the woo on a record back then, it was a guaranteed hit. Yep. I <laughs> uh, got two pieces of news for you here. I know we're almost 
running out of time. Uh, we spent too much time on a Brandy album and a Jagged Edge album, but well, we got knew some it was news coming. For you. Yeah. Oh, and I got to do this for Tom. That new Salam Remy and Tidra Moses record, fire. Oh yes, I forgot all about that. Yes, I really enjoyed that one. And shout out to Tom because that one was not even on my radar, and he hit me to it. That was probably my favorite record this past week. Hmm, that's good. Um, and we got to talk about two pieces of news here. So we talked about One Twelve coming out with an EP soon. Darnell Jones, Darnell, otherwise, otherwise known as Darnell Jones, to to most people. Or maybe the most minority. normal human beings, yes. They know yeah. how letters we gotta work. you got to figure out if people refer to him as Darnell Moore or Darnell. Might have to run Ugh. another Twitter poll on that. But he's announced that he will be dropping an album in November. This one will be exclusively for the fans. He's going to release it on his website. And then next year, he's going to drop another album. And I think that, to me, that sounds like this album in November is just giving back to his fans. Because they've waited so long, and next mm-hmm. year will be the official, official album. Um, that's a lot of music, but Donnell, he's been gone for a minute, so this should be exciting. I think I'm, ex- I'm excited. If you remember, he was the pin behind one of those Jacqui songs, Your Boy, that I actually really yep. enjoyed in the past couple years. So clearly the pin is strong. Clearly he still has some gas left in the tank. So I'm excited to see it. He's one of those unsung heroes of r&b of the past 15 20 years so anytime he comes back he has my attention and then trey songs is set to return very soon troy taylor as well as trey have been playing some snippets from uh the new album on on their instagram pages and ed it sounds like the panty dropper is back he's back oh, in yes. form i think it's going to be 2009 once again I think that this is funny. We've talked before about how difficult it is for these artists who have kind of matured beyond the immature days of bottles up and throwing alcohol on women in videos and then transitioning into the mature music because you're in this weird spot where your audience remembers you for the juvenile stuff. But they're also a little, they're like growing out of that, but not quite to the quiet storm stuff. And I think he's trying to make that transition. And I think from what I've heard, I like the snippets. This could be a nice transition. I like Tremaine, the last album he had. I thought it was a good bridge. It had a lot of potential. It had some issues too, but it had some good potential. If this is more in that vein, I'm there for it. More of that, less chapter five. You can keep that one. <laughs> um, another artist coming out with a new album here. You mentioned him earlier. Jacquees. And I'm going to give you the title of this new project. PTOF Volume 1. Do you want to take a shot at what PTOF stands for? PTOF. I am afraid to ask because I'm thinking of all sorts of things that probably aren't suitable for this podcast. What on earth does this mean? It means panties thrown on the floor. Oh, my God. That's exactly what I thought. (laughs) I didn't think (laughs) panties, but I thought another P word. So that's what I thought it was. Oh, no. Oh, my God. This guy. We were just talking about the evolution, (laughs) the growing up. Young Jacquees, he's still that age, so he can wild out if he wants to. Shout out to the king here. Um, (laughs) And the last piece of news before we get out of here. 
Jermaine Dupri, his work with Janet Jackson. Obviously, we knew that we know that they've dated, but a lot of people might not know he worked on a couple of Janet albums. Twenty Years Old being one of them, mm-hmm. Discipline being the other. And someone recently asked Jermaine if he would be willing to work with Janet again, which is kind of a weird question. I don't know why you would ask if you would work with your ex again, but JD. Um, he didn't even necessarily say that that would be the reason they don't work together anymore, but he more so pointed to the fact that when 20 Years Old came out, there was a lot of criticism from Janet fans saying that he did not deliver, despite the fact that I think that Nelly record was on that album. Is that a valid reason not to work on an album with Janet again because of the fans? I don't buy that reasoning, to be honest. And honestly, I thought 20 Years Old was a great album. I loved it. Discipline... Mm -hmm. Not really my favorite. I think that's one of her weaker of the... Not her worst album, but it's kind of the weaker of the modern-day albums. But no, I thought the album was fine. If any of the Janet fans were mad, we're in this weird... Oh, social media play. It drives me nuts. We're in this weird situation where it's like, Janet, you can't work with your ex because we, the fans, are protecting your heart. And it's, who cares? You never met Janet mm-hmm. before. Shut up. So I have no problem if JD wants to work with Janet. They have made great music before. I liked her remix to, um, what's the car, the song, We in a Fancy Car and blah, 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 blah. Y'all know the song that I'm talking about. I'm old. Give me a break. So the remix uh-huh. to that was JD, and I thought that was great. I think there's chemistry there. Who cares? If there's some good music to be made, I'm down for it. And I like 20 years old. So I think they, they could get back together and it'd be magical. Stay out of other people's business. <laughs> Isn't that someone to call my lover? Someone to call my lover. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why I wanted to call it fancy car, but that's yeah, the moment a you said lyric. The moment you said fancy car, I could hear Montrez Jones in my brain just saying, "You better correct him." So I'm like, <laughs> I got you, Montrez. Yes, We're Montrez was coming him. for the throat, no question. Yep. Um, man, where do we go from here, Ed? We have. We don't really have a lot to talk about here. I had one more thing in my mind, but before we get into that, tell me what's going on with So In Stereo, and maybe I'll think about it. Oh, well, we'll see. But in the meantime, in between time, you can go to soulinstereo.com and check out, yes, the infamous review of Brandy's album, B7. Again, mm. I'm letting most of my thoughts be known here. I thought it was an okay project, just okay. But if you want an unbiased review, come check it out. You know I'm always going to keep it real for y'all, because that's what I do. And also, I have a new verse, a new edition of Head to Head with Ed. I almost called it Versus because we're talking about Versus. Who should wow. Usher face in a Versus battle? That's what we're talking about. But the homie, the Brown, you know him well. Finally got him on the podcast. Yep. So, well, on the podcast, on the site. So, we've got that coming up. Got a new version of Head to Head coming up featuring Outcast and the homie, Allison Moore. I think we've got one with Monica coming up with my boy Darius. So lots of new content coming soon. And as I haven't plugged it enough, make sure if you're a fan of Facebook and you're a fan of what we do here, just go visit Stolen Stereo Cypher on Facebook. Put in a little search bar. It'll come up and come down. Um, Every month we do this thing where we kind of shout out the 10 most prevalent users. uh, People love it for some reason. So everybody loves to get shouted out. And last month, we had like our most explosive growth ever. The site is popping. So if you wow. love what we do here on the podcast, just like talking music and movies and other crazy stuff, come join us in the Cypher on Facebook. 
Awesome. And I just remembered what I was going to ask you here. So speaking of JD, he did an interview with, I want to say BBC or CNN, one of the big outlets. Mm-hmm. And he said something. And, and our boy DJ Ill Will, he's a friend of ours on Instagram and Twitter. He did the interview. And JD said something along the lines of that uh, the progression of real R&B has really taken a hit because R. Kelly's been canceled. And his influences, you know, he, he can't influence the genre if he's not there. <sighs> J.D., I love you, J.D. Why is this podcast the episode where I'm getting at everybody I love? I love Brandon. <laughs> I love J.E. I love you, J.D. That take is ridiculous. That is to assume that R. Kelly was here trend-setting. When was the last time R. Kelly had a trend-setting record? Black Panthers. You can't. I will throw those black panties over your face if you say that foolishness. <laughs> like, it's, he is not a trendsetter anymore. I mean, he is still an incredible artist. He is still a great producer. He's still a great writer. But he has not influenced the genre of R&B since at least... What was the album where he was standing on the volcano and it had all the trapped in the closets? TP... Oh, TP3? TP3. I think okay. like, that was the last time he was influential in that manner. He's had a good album since. The album was just okay. But to call him an influential person in the game, we're talking well over 10 years. So no, JD, that is not true. R&B's issues is that it was trying too hard to keep up with the Joneses, trying to keep up with hip-hop, and it lost its way. That's what happened to R&B. It's that simple. Well, luckily for you, Ed, Chris Brown is coming soon, so we'll be saved. Don't you worry. And Jacquees. And Jacquees. Don't you worry, Ed. But, we are doomed. <laughs> uh, with You Know I Got Soul right now. Uh, what we have coming up, I think we have a couple of interviews. I think I have one with Jagged Edge lined up soon. So we'll talk about all the things that we just talked about today. From the 31 oh songs to the auto-tune. We're going to talk about all of that. I got to be honest with my guys because Wingo is my guy. I've met him in person and just a nice guy. Um, I think I have another interview coming up. Can't really announce it yet. And uh, what Tom and I have been doing over the last couple of days or weeks, we've been really trying to just go back and revisit some of these albums, some of these discographies, and we're trying to come up with our top 10 lists. I keep telling Tom that it's an impossible task, but he really uh, is trying to make that happen. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, I did a top 10 Earth Gotti list, Ed. Oh, I noticed. I meant and to yell guess, at you, but I noticed. And guess who shared it, Ed? Who shared it? Irv Gotti shared it on his story, so mission really? complete. Shared now, it. I, told- I can't believe that you didn't just run to my mentions and brag about this. This is like a big deal. Listen, I told Tom the moment I interview R. Uh, not R. Kelly. Well, that maybe him too, but the moment I interview Irv Gotti, I'm retiring. I'm good. <laughs> you may have Life to because com- you may have to be put in witness protection after talking Life to is that good. guy. <laughs> Shout out to Irv. Ed, I think that's it for this week. I'm afraid to hit upload. Once this oh goes gosh! Up. Listen, before you hit upload, one last time, we need to just run just like one of those placards that says Edward Bowser, soulandstereo.com, E.T. Bowser, Edward Bowser on Instagram. If you're going to send your tweet hate, your IG hate, send it to me. Leave poor Kyle alone. He liked the stupid album. He liked it. He said it. Leave him alone. I didn't. You can tell me. Actually, I thought it was just okay. I, don't, I, I can't say that I liked it, but... 
to that point, I will do a little bit of movie magic, hopefully, and we'll have the little things on each side so they know what <laughs> and where it's coming from. But, Ed, we'll figure that out later. We're out. Hopefully, we come back next week. If not, the Casey brothers got us. <laughs> it was a good run, play. It was good knowing you. All right. We'll be back, hopefully, next week, and uh, we'll talk more R&B then. Peace out, guys. All right. We out.